As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Boomers Today with your host, Frank Sampson. Well, welcome to Boomers Today. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. And of course, each week we bring you important, useful information on issues facing baby boomers, their parents, and other loved ones. And I just want to thank everybody for uh, all their uh, support And our listeners are growing each and every day. Uh, many of you are listening uh, to us on, uh, on the radio, uh, on various stations throughout the country. We, of course, also have our, our podcast. You can, uh, many of you have downloaded uh, the free podcast, uh, which is called Boomers Today. You just have to go into your apps, type in Boomers Today, and voila, it will appear right on your phone. Certainly, we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio many other stations. So uh, thank you so much for all your support. And uh, I, I know we're getting uh, a lot of listeners because we have some fantastic guests and very educational, providing uh, great education to, to everybody, which we all, we all need. Um, and we have another great guest with us today. Uh, we have with us Kathy Sikorsky, who is an elder lawyer and caregiver promoting financial and legal preparation in the aging crisis. Her first book, Showering with Nana, Confessions of a Serial Caregiver, and Kathy's number one Amazon book, Who Moved My Teeth, is a practical and legal guide for the aging crisis. She has been on Huffington Post, AARP, and is a she-source expert for the Women's Media Center. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here with my people. Yeah, <laughs> my, my people too. Yeah, yeah. Right. All fall into, many of us fall into that, that category. So, you know, we're going to, you know, I, I do uh, want to talk a little bit about your books in a, in a little bit and share with people how they can, how they can order that. But uh I, I know uh, you and I uh, had a few minutes to be able to talk to each other beforehand, and uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, the maybe vulnerability that, you know, women have with various long-term care issues. And um, so, so tell us, why has the way we save money now set up women for a disastrous financial future? 
That is such a good question, and often people don't even know it's going to happen until they get into a crisis situation. And when I talk about a crisis situation, I mean a long-term care crisis. Somebody gets sick, they have to deal with not only the sickness, but the financial impact of that, and all of a sudden, the way we save money has changed everything. And I know that sounds crazy, right? But this is the deal. Your parents, my parents, my grandparents, they saved everything in joint savings accounts, CDs, checking accounts, even maybe some joint investment accounts, right? Right. Several years ago, all of that changed. We started doing 401ks, IRAs, 403bs. And the difference is none of those types of savings avenues can be owned by anybody but one person. So only one person can own a 401k. So let's say Bill and Marge are, you know, in their 60s, they're enjoying a wonderful retirement. Bill has a $2 million IRA or 401k, that 401k probably from work. Marge doesn't have anything because she typically, you know, stepped out of the workforce. She may have never gone back or she went back as a part-timer or just for several years, but not enough to certainly meet what Bill has. And he has a major stroke. And Mm -hmm. now he's in a nursing home and he's never coming out. And Mark says, wait a minute, that $2 million is our money to live on for the rest of my life. I'm 62 years old. What am I supposed to do? And the question is, how does she get her hands on that money? Because legally, Bill owns that money, not March. Hmm. Right. So there's a lot of problems around that. Number one, the biggest problem is, does she have a power of attorney that allows her to go in and access that money? Right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, talk That's to us it. about power of attorney. My, I'm going to give you my personal opinion of the name. I think it's a lousy. I, know, it's I think a it's a horrible name. name. It's a horrible name. Oh my god, I couldn't <laughs> agree just, with you more. It is the stupidest yeah, name. It's a, it, I don't. It, I should look up where it came from in the ye old England, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd like you to talk about that because it's so important. Because again, the term power of attorney, and I think obviously we agree with one another on that. You know, it scares people going, oh, I got to go get an attorney. I got to get, well, she should have yeah. an attorney anyway, but yeah. it's like, this, yeah. this is going to cost, confusing. this is going to cost me a fortune, right? So people yeah. shy away yeah. from it. But, but ex- tell everybody about a power of attorney and how important it is. In my opinion, if you're 18 years or older, you should have one. But, you uh, know, right. you, did you, you read that I wrote that a million times? No, I didn't. I, but, <laughs> exactly yeah, I, I promote that too. Yeah, yeah. Yep, 18 years or older, you should have one because you're an adult. So here's the 30-second definition. A power of attorney is a document that you sign giving your agent, they call, call this person your agent, the power to act as if they are you in every possible circumstance. So in a financial power of attorney, you're giving them the authority to do everything financial that you could do sell things, buy things, use your credit card, you know, get rid of your car, sell your house, buy a house. I mean, it is a very powerful tool. It is the same in a healthcare power of attorney, and some states call it a proxy, but it's the same thing, where you're giving someone the authority to act as if they are you in a situation where all your healthcare decisions need to be made. So not only is it an extremely powerful tool, so you have to choose wisely, choose wisely. But the second thing that I find daunting is many married couples have each other as their agent, which is great. Hopefully you trust your spouse enough that you do that. 
but they forget to add an alternate. And I don't know about you, but my husband and I travel all the time together, you know. I mean, it's very possible that something bad could happen to both of us at the same time. You've got to have an alternate in there who can pick up the slack, even if it's just temporary, right, to take care of your affairs. And as you said, which I love, and which is why I made my children when they went to college sign powers of attorney before they left, everybody 18 or older should have one. Right. Because nobody knows when something might happen. You know, and you mentioned something I think is so important. I think married couples assume that they don't need one because their spouse would make those decisions. And that's not correct. That's a false assumption, right? Not only is it a false assumption, but let's circle back to how we started this conversation, which is if you have a 401k... Right. And you are incompetent and completely disabled. Your spouse has no authority to go in there and get that money right. by virtue of being a spouse. Right. You have no authority. Nobody cares if you're a spouse. I would say, and I'm sure you've seen this, that in the medical field, they are a little bit more loosey-goosey. You know, if you go to the hospital with your spouse in an emergency and you're like, that's my husband, you know, I'll make decisions for him. They're not going to stop everything and say, oh, excuse me, can I see your power of attorney? You're probably going to get away with a little bit more, right? Right. But you're never going to walk into a bank or Merrill Lynch or Vanguard and say, give me a million dollars because my husband might have to go into a nursing home and I want to move some money to protect myself. No way. Mm -hmm. You've got to have that power of attorney. And so, again, it circles back to that place where especially women who are always, at least in my generation, almost always, that isn't really 100% true, but very often and almost always in a different financial place than their husband. They are not on equal footing. So how do, we, he- so, so how do we help these women prepare okay, really for staying question. financially secure? You know, if the, especially if the spouse has these event, in, investments, assuming that. So now that you know this, if you're healthy, you've got to start looking at ways to put yourself on equal footing if you can financially, right? right. If you're in your 40s and 50s and, we're t- and, and, and you are still a stay-at-home mom or you're taking care of your mother or your mother-in-law, you can start saving money in your own IRA, hopefully, right? That's one way to do it. Right. Another, w- another way to do it is to just, A, be aware of this. And B, make sure you have a document, a power of attorney, a durable financial power of attorney that allows you to go into your spouse's financial setup and have access to that money. And I live in Pennsylvania where we are particularly strict with this rule. So if that document doesn't say that I as an agent have unlimited gifting power to gift that money to me or anybody else, depending on what it says, um, I won't be able to go in there and get either any money or more than $15,000 a year. So what what happens to that money if <laughs> if the the proper legal documents have not been set up? It just sits there? So that money has to be used for Bill, who's in the nursing home, right? Right. And my authority then will come from the court. I have to go get a guardianship. Another reason why you want this power of attorney, because who wants to go to court and get a guardianship? You need testimony. You've got to 
have a doctor say that he's incompetent. You have to have the court choose you, which they probably will. But then you are at the behest of the court that you must report to them, at least on an annual basis, every penny you spend on this person and every medical decision that you make. Gotcha. And it's your spouse. Yeah, so, and I know this could open up a whole other can of worms here, but so are you saying that is a trust necessary or not absolutely necessary to make sure that this is all handled in the proper way? A trust has absolutely nothing to do with this. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. You might need a trust. You might want to trust, and it might make financial sense to have a trust, but it has nothing to do with the basic authority to to access funds through through someone who is incompetent. Okay. Gotcha. Now, a trust could change that depending on how you've set up the trust and who the trustees are, and but trusts aren't for everyone, and trusts are such super complex legal documents, especially now with the SECURE Act and, you know, there's so much going on legally that nobody should have a trust unless they've talked to a legal and financial professional together. They're really, those documents can hurt you as well as help you. You've got to be really smart about what your family needs. And that is such a personal thing to every family and what their needs are. So let's say you met, you made a quick mention of it, but maybe we could get into some more specifics here on this gifting. Okay, so explain that a little bit. Uh, I love that you asked me that. Okay. Know that when you are, when you sign a power of attorney, you are basically saying my agent, in this case your spouse, let's say for this example, or your daughter, let's say you're single, my agent has the authority to access all of my funds. um, And I'm going to either give them no gifting power, which means they can't access funds for anything but me, only me. They can only pay my nursing home bills. They can only pay my, you know, hospital bill. They can only pay things for me. Um, so they have no gifting power. Or I'm going to give them limited gifting power, which means they can access up to $15,000 a year for anybody I decide they can gift to. 15000 because that's the federally exempt tax gift tax amount. Okay, that's that's what they've determined limited gifting means. Or I'm giving them unlimited gifting power, which means they can take all my money and do whatever they want with it, which could be scary, right? You've got to choose that person. It it makes it ripe for abuse. I'm not going to pretend that these documents aren't ripe for elder abuse, but in situations of trust and in situations of, of, like, suppose you have a spouse who has early onset Alzheimer's. You Mm -hmm. need to have this in place, right? Right. Um, right. Or suppose you have a daughter who is taking care of you because you have a chronic disease and you want to pay her as a caregiver. Um, You need to make sure that, because that could be seen as gifting because Mm -hmm. she's a relative and it probably wouldn't be and you'd have a contract and God, Frank, you know all these issues are so complex, aren't they? It gets very complex, yeah. It's crazy how complex it is, which is why, you know, you and I talked to uh, earlier about how I just think financial advisors and elder lawyers need to work together. And how, 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 do, you, how do you get them to, how do you advise people <laughs> to get everybody to work together? It's almost like 
you know, we deal with situations all the time where the doctors don't talk to one another. And you right, know, we're, we're always right, concerned yeah. about prescriptions being given out and not understanding that, oh, that you know, man, and trying to get doctors to talk together. But you have to do the same thing here. They need to work together. Yes. So what suggestions yes. do you have? Yeah, well, arm twisting is always good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. um, you know what I really, truly suggest? Two things. I suggest elder lawyers and financial advisors, for heaven's sake, open the door yourselves. Go meet these people, right? Talk to them. I really wish we had, you know how you have CLEs and, and whatever, um, CEs, like continuing education? Sure. We're required to do that. And so are, so are CPAs in my state and probably CPAs across the country. Correct. We need more joint meetings where we can talk about why these are joint things and why we should, as I say, be BFFs, best friends forever. But if you are from the client's point of view, I think you should say, look, I need you to talk to my lawyer. I need you to be on board with the same thing. Um, I really wish, like I said, the professionals themselves would reach out, and I'm hoping that they're learning this every day. Right. But as right. a client, I think you have every right to say, uh, you know, if you're doing my legal work, I want you to talk to my financial guy. If you're doing my financial work, I want you to talk to my legal guy. I want to make sure everything is in place the way I think it's supposed to be. So you can both do your jobs if a crisis happens. Right. Got it. Got it. Because okay, I'm coming good. to you. Yeah. No, no, right? Great. Yeah. Great, great input. So, Kathy, we're going to just take a, a real quick break. I just want to recognize oh. our sponsor. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you more about advanced directives, DNRs, polls, a lot to, a lot to learn on, on the, that important subject ma- those, that important subject matter, okay? So we're going to be Great. right back. Yep. So I, w- I just want to remind everybody that today's show is sponsored by Senior Care Authority, an elder care consulting organization that has a national network of professionally trained and experienced local advisors to assist families in determining the right path for your loved ones. They will discuss various long-term care options, whether it's in-home care, assisted living, memory care, nursing, or if you just need an advocate to get advice from. A local senior care authority advisor can help you now. So they're going to provide you and our listeners with a free 30-minute consultation which is wonderful, you know, if you have any questions on anything. And you could find a local advisor in your area by contacting Senior Care Authority, either calling them at 888-809-1231, or you could go directly to the website at www.seniorcareauthority.com, and you could find an advisor in your area. We're back with Kathy Sikorsky, who's an elder lawyer, caregiver, author. She does it all. So we're, Can uh, I just say, yeah. I, I think senior care advisors are, is one of the best ideas going. I mean, people need help in so many avenues here. And as you and I just talked about how complex it is. So kudos to your sponsor. Um, great. Well, thank you so much it is for a, that. It, it, is a great, it is a great service to offer, yes. Well, we appreciate that. Appreciate that. So let's let's talk, as I mentioned, I want to talk about and again, all these terms we talk, you cleared up power of attorney, but advanced directives, all right, DNRs, pulse form, help us understand all this. All right, so advanced directives. I love to say when I do my my 
speaking engagements, advanced directives and living wills, another term you're going to hear very often. I just took my mom to the hospital for a test yesterday. They said, do you have a living will? Um, advanced directives and living wills are the identical same thing. I say it's like Sean Combs and P. Diddy. They're the same person with two different <laughs> names. It's exactly I, I the same. That. Okay, got it. Don't freak out that you need more things. <laughs> um, and that is the typical document that is a end of life. Are you in a permanent vegetative state? And if you are, what you know? What have you said you want? So you check boxes usually, or something like that. You know, I don't want. I, it's a pull the plug or don't pull the plug document, and you're telling people what you want. And just real briefly, I want to say the reason I love that document is not so much because of what it does on its face, but what it does for the person who's in charge. Because when somebody is in a permanent vegetative state, ten thousand people who you never talk to come out of the woodwork with an opinion about what you should do and it makes your life unbearable, and that document says, I'm not making this decision. Mom decided this, and we're going to do what she wanted to do. Whether I agree with it or not, that's what we're doing. So a great document, advanced directives and or living will. Okay? Got it. Got it. So um, it is not a DNR, yeah, which is yeah. really, people confuse that, because a DNR is not a living will. It is not the same thing at all. A DNR is almost always used only in a hospital or if you've had someone with a really chronic long-term illness and it means of course do not resuscitate and it just means if you go into you know if you go into a cardiac failure or cardiac arrest or you can't breathe or whatever you're saying don't put me on any machines don't do anything do not resuscitate me if I go then I go um, that's much more of an emergency type document than the advanced directive or living will, right? Because a living will you can put in place now as a 20-year-old and just say, if I get to be in a permanent vegetative state for some reason, and those in our age group remember Karen and Quinlan, don't we? Oh, yeah. Who was, in a, who was in a permanent vegetative yep. state for like 20 years. Yep. She was yep. very young, right? And they had no direction about what to do. That's not a DNR. A DNR is really almost always used in a hospital or in a chronic, chronic care issue. Um, and again, it just means do not resuscitate. Like that's a choice that someone's so, making. So what's the difference between a DNR and in some states, you have, they have these, it's called a POLST form. Yes. A POLST is, POLST stands, stands for physician or provider orders for life-sustaining treatment. And in my state, it's a hot pink color. Like right. you, same, you can't same, deny. Same in California, same thing. Okay, so it's hot, hot pink, and, and they say leave it with your papers or put it in your freezer or whatever, and it's meant to be a document that goes with you wherever you go, and so that emergency workers, you know, uh, first responders, if they have to come to you, see that you have that. Um, the difference is, number one, a DNR is not signed by a physician necessarily. It's just a choice, you know, that you have made. Uh, within the hospital, you say, you know, the patient is DNR, and they put it on the on the um, record. But a post is must be signed by, by a physician, and it is a decision. Uh, and it might not say, do not resuscitate. It might say resuscitate under all circumstances. You know, you can choose. It's You're not choosing necessarily to die. You're just choosing whatever your life-sustaining treatment is that you want. I want a respirator. I want, you know, pain meds. I want palliative care whatever it is you're choosing. But the, but the issue here is, and, and I struggle with the post, Frank. I don't know if you if you have personal struggles with it either, but... 
you're getting a doctor to sign something when you don't really know what's going to happen, right? right? And how long do you want that sitting on the table? You know, my mom is 91. She goes to the gym every day. She goes to church every day. She is a super active lady, right? So if she would have an event, it, by virtue of her age and people seeing that pulse, they might think that we would make a decision that we would not make, right? Right. So, so I, I, I mean... I, Again, chronic illness, someone in a nursing home, someone in assisted living where you want and you, you're far, far away, um, I'm sure that uh, you would want to investigate it. And I think that you should. Let me so, put it that way. So I've been, I've gotten different views on this. So legally, and I can ask you legally since you are an attorney, <laughs> legally, all right, somebody, has, somebody calls 911. They got you yeah. know, an, an issue going on, and and the person has a pulse form. Yeah. Let's say they're even in an assisted living facility, and right above their bed is this hot pink form. Yeah. All right, and they come out, and what what do they do if on that pulse form it says between the doctor and that patient, patient. do not resuscitate call it a day, whatever. Yeah, what what right. are they legally responsible to do? And does that vary state by state? Or what happens? That's a really interesting question because I sort of want to go back to, for just a second, the advanced directive living will, right? which is the one that you filled out that said, if I'm in a permanent vegetative state, these are my choices. In my state, that is not a legally binding document at all. It, mm -hmm. it isn't. So, so, in other words, if nobody pays attention to your choices, you can't sue anybody. That's what that means when we say not legally binding. That's because that's really what we're talking about, right? Gotcha. What happens if they don't do what you want done? Or what happens if they do do what you want done and your family doesn't like it? Those are the two questions we're asking here, aren't they? <laughs> right. Yeah, because so, I, I mean, I, I know of situations where... Families were upset that their yeah. loved one was resuscitated. Let let go. Yeah. No, no, no. Let the opposite. Go, yeah. They were oh, brought was, back to well, life. Was resuscitated. Yeah. They were brought back yeah. to life, and that's not what the person wanted. Yeah. You know, so that's why I was curious because you know they have all these forms and DNRs, but then what happens? I, I know maybe in so, a hospital. If they're in a hospital situation, of course, you're right. gonna, they're going to know all that. I'm talking in an emergency situation. Right, exactly. What, what, what are these EMS people supposed to do? I, 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 uh, and I think they're, they are legally protected to follow what the post says. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because not only has the doctor signed it, but the patient has signed it. Right. Or right. the patient's... Right. Or the patient's um, proxy or the patient's, you know, power of attorney, yeah. but it's signed by two people with authority to say what is done. Um, and, and that's always going to be the problem. Yeah. yeah. What if we don't like what decision was made? And that's why they put post. That's really why they put post in there was to protect first responders from making, you know, what kind Got of it. decisions can, can they make in these emergencies? That's why, that's why putting it on hot pink paper or something it, it yep. stands out. Yeah. Right? So, yep. Kathy, we're uh, uh, unfortunately we're running out of time here, and I have a bunch of other questions for you. So, we got to have you back. But uh, with the time we have here, 
please tell us uh, real quick a little bit about your books, how people can get it, uh, how people can get in touch with you. It's, com- um, it's, it's so- commercial time for you. Go ahead. Yeah, Go okay. Here's all my right. commercial. First of all, I'd love to come back. Um, secondly, my, everything you can find under my name. I'm one of those people, if you put my name in, it's going to show up. Kathy with a C, C-A-T-H-Y, Sikorsky, S as in Sam, I-K, O-R-S-K-I. So that's my website, www.kathysikorsky.com. If you type that in on Amazon, my books will come up. Um, my blog will come up if you put it in Google. And I'm, I'm back to blogging now because I have lots of time working from home. And right. it's called You Just Have to Laugh, where caregiving is comedy. So right. just right. my name will get you pretty much everywhere. Great. And, and you know, I, I'm sure, I know you're based in Pennsylvania. Uh, if people uh, needed assistance from legal assistance, somebody like yourself, of course, they could go to you directly, but do you have any recommendations on where they could go to find somebody of uh, uh, your type of a background and maybe their, an elder their lawyer? Yep. Yeah, an elder yep. lawyer. And, and I highly, highly recommend elder lawyers. We're not the same as estate lawyers, which doesn't mean we're all not good, but we do this kind of work. And elder lawyers are certified under CELA, C-E-L-A, or NALA. National Association of Elder Lawyers, Elder Lawyers, N-A-E-L-A. And if you look under those two organizations, you can find a lawyer in your area. So that would be great. Perfect. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. It was a good time. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was great. We'll have you back. We'll have you back. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on Boomers today. Today, be safe out there. We'll talk to you all soon. You've been listening to Boomers Today with Frank Sampson. To learn more about today's show, visit boomerstodayradio.com and join us next time for another edition of Boomers Today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.